going on, Packers fans? Aaron Nagler here, ready to talk some football with my good buddy, Andy Herman, the creator of the Pack-A-Day podcast and a purveyor of fine Packers takes everywhere you go on the internet. Andy, how the hell are you today? I am doing amazing. We are post-draft. Now we get to open all of our presents and look at all the <laughs> players in greater detail. We'll get ready for rookie minicamp this upcoming weekend. Uh, I'm in a good spot. How are you doing, man? I'm doing well. I tell you what, I was not feeling it at first when Brian traded down a couple times on day two accumulated all those extra picks. I was thinking this is going to be the longest weekend ever. But then I will say, after the draft was concluded and I saw the list of the 13 names and I kind of was starting to, you know, dive in on these 13 new Green Bay Packers, I'm super excited about this draft class in a way that I really haven't been. You know me, I'm not a draft guy. That is not my thing. But holy cow, you talk about a team that is ready to hit the reset button hard. This this draft class should help them do that. Uh Looking at the totality of those picks, is there a theme that jumps out to you? Is there a player that you think, aha, that, that's the key? Or what were your general impressions coming off of this draft from Brian? Yeah, so I think a couple of things. I think there's a couple of themes, and I think Brian did a really nice job of navigating this draft in a couple of ways. I think, first of all, what I really appreciated is that he identified the positions that were strong, like tight end, for example, and he attacked them aggressively on day two of the draft by picking up two tight ends that were both, in my opinion, um, could have been late day one, early round two guys in, um, you know, in a lesser tight end draft. And he attacks it aggressively and gets them at a really great value where he got them. And I know everyone's like, got to have a safety. You got to get a, you got to get a safety. You got to get, it was a bad safety draft. And you know what? If it's a bad safety draft, avoid it. It's not to say that some of the safeties in this draft aren't going to turn out well. I'm sure they will, but you focus your efforts on the positions that are deeper and you get more quality players. And I thought he did a really good job with that. I thought he kind of identified early in the draft that edge. If you wanted to get one, if you wanted to get a high end one, those guys were going to go fast. We saw basically all throughout the draft from Will Anderson going early to Tyree Wilson, to Van S to immediately after that, you've got McDonald, you've got, um, the the Georgia kid, like you've got all of these guys that immediately come off and there was a huge run at the end of day one. If they would have tried to wait for an edge rusher day two, day three, I think it would have gone very poorly for them. So I think he right. attacked that aggressively. I think the overarching theme, I think if you kind of break this down into sections, it was clearly we need a premium position. We do the same thing we're going to do every single year. Premium position, young players, super developmental. We're swinging for the fences. We want a big-time player round one. Then it's, okay, we're going to give Jordan weapon. We need to fill out our wide receiver and tight end room. We're going to go get weapons on day two. And then day three, I think you mixed in some sort of classic Packers picks with some special teams with some clear needs at quarterback and kicker that maybe they reached for a little bit, but we're a little bit more willing to go need at that point of the draft. I haven't had a chance yet. I know you put up on the Packaday podcast uh, YouTube channel the uh, deep dive into Van Ness. Uh, I haven't had a chance to look at it yet, but what what are the Cliff Notes version that people that might whet people's appetite to go take a look? Because look, I don't think it was funny because leading up to this draft, as you said, if you follow what the Packers like to do as far as a premium position, a young guy, a lot's been made about him not starting at Iowa, which I think you and I can both agree is a whole lot of nothing. Uh, yeah. The idea that, yeah, this is an ascending player and a kid who probably, yeah, does have some stuff to work on, but the tools are all there. What's your takeaway after having gone down deep, so to speak, looking at his tape and breaking his game down? Hey, and we have to say, too, both of us uh, predicted the pick. We got literally everything else wrong, I'm sure, throughout the yeah, entire yeah. Weekend, most of so it, we... most of it, yeah. But the Van Ness thing, it just seemed like an, a, like an all-time all Packers pick. It just, yeah. it just seemed, it screamed a Green Bay Packers pick, and it was. 
Very much so. Yes, uh, that we got right. Like I said, everything else remains to be seen. But uh, no, he's a really fun player. And I think he can win with athleticism from day one. I think that's a really fun aspect of him. If, if you look at all the premier edge rushers, whether you go the Bosa's, a TJ Watt, you know, a, a Von Miller, like name your favorite pass rusher, right? It starts with having a tool set that just most human beings on the earth don't have. And that's what Lucas Van Ness has. He's an extremely high athlete. I did a little fun exercise. He was a better RAS score guy at safety than Branch was. He was a better uh, RAS score at wide receiver than, than Jordan Addison was. He basically had the same RAS score as at running back at Jameer Gibbs did. Same RAS score at defensive tackle as Brian Brzee did. Like you can go position by position and you can basically find some guy. Michael Mayer had a better RAS score at tight end than Mayer did. Like that's the type of freak athlete that we're talking about here. You combine that with a guy that doesn't give up on plays, is all heart, intensity, desire, former hockey player, led his high school in penalty minutes in at hockey, like just showing <laughs> you the type of guy that he is. Right. Um, I just love all of those sort of things that you can't teach about him. And then, you know, some of the things that you're going to need to be able to, you know, pick up over time are very similar to Rashawn Gary, who was also kind of that, you know, hugely athletic raw ball of clay coming out of school. He has to put a pass rush plan together. He's got a push pull. He's got a long arm. He can get by you sometimes with that speed. He loves doing a bull rush, uh, but he doesn't really have a plan of attack. It's just, I'm going to fly at you a million miles per hour and I'm fast and I'm strong and good luck. And he beat Peter Skaronsky at Northwestern. He beat Paris Johnston, uh, Paris Johnston Jr. At, uh, at Ohio State. Like, it's not like he's beating bombs. He was beating some really, really good players. I think it was his fourth or fifth snap in his, like, his entire career at the University of Iowa. In his very first year playing, fourth or fifth snap, first game, he just takes the guard, throws him aside, goes and gets the quarterback. It's just like from day one, this guy was just built different, and uh, he's going to be a very fun, maneuverable piece in Green Bay. Going from the defensive side over to all the offensive weapons that they added, you mentioned the tight ends. They took a couple of wide receivers. Is there one that you think has the possibility? And I'm not, no one's holding you to this uh, immediately <laughs> after the that. draft. No one here at Cheesehead TV will hold this to you. But like the idea, like your first blush as far as that's the guy who you think, okay, is probably going to be able to help them the most right out of the gate. Because we all know, you know, making that jump from college to the pros is tough, whether it's a tight end or a, or a wide receiver. But some guys seem to have the ability to maybe hit the ground running a little bit faster than others. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of spots that are up for grabs at wide receiver, right? So like you've got, you know, I, after Christian Watson, I think the next two, three, four, five, and I know Romeo Dobbs is going to be the favorite, but right. all those next spots are up for grabs with any of the Wide guys open. that were drafted last totally year, agree. any of the guys that were drafted this year. So I'm um, Jaden Reed, all of these guys are going to have a huge opportunity, but I think, you know, you look at Reed, you look at Kraft, you look at Musgrave, all three guys. I mean, if you told me that they played significant snaps in 2020, I think that's probably almost the expectation at this yeah. point, unless they go out and add something additional, which I don't kind of, I kind of don't think they're going to. Um, so those all three of them. And I think of all three of those Tucker craft is kind of the guy to me. I know he was drafted the third of those three, but he's the guy that I think comes in and just kind of takes the Bobby Tunyon role from day one. And I don't think he's totally going to give agree. it up. And he's going to be a wide tight end. I think they're going to put him there. I think he's going to play through some ups and downs. Tight end is a very difficult position to transition from, from any school to the NFL, much less a lower level program. Um, so I think that's going to take a little bit of time, but I think he grabs that by the horns from day one and just owns it. And you're going to see a lot of playing time out of him. I think Musgrave there, I think where, where you just plug and play craft, I think Musgrave is the guy that I guarantee you Matt LaFleur's already got notebook pages full of stuff <laughs> of how he can potentially use right. Luke Musgrave as a mismatch piece. And, he, you know, the thing I love about him as a blocker 
A, he did a ton of the stuff at Oregon State that Green Bay likes to do in their offense, which is really, really fun. The other thing is, as a blocker, you might look at Musgrave and be like, oh, he's, he's kind of thin and he gets out-muscled at the point of attack, and you'd be a million percent right on both of those observations. He gets to his landmark every single time. He's a wall-off kind of blocker. You can tell he cares about it. He has some attention to detail with it. If he can just put on a little functional strength over time, I know everyone's just saying, like, he's just going to be a move tight end, just a receiving type guy. I actually think there's upside there for him as a blocker as well. Excited about all three of those guys, but I'll say Tucker Craft is kind of the easiest plug-and-play guy from day one. I, I very much agree with your idea that, yeah, I mean, you're not putting DeGuara there. You know, you're not – like, I know Tyler Davis, God bless you, but that's not what I want rolling out there if I'm Matt LaFleur. I think you're spot on as far as Craft goes. Um, you mentioned the possibility, right, that they could potentially still uh, bring in – uh, veteran wide receiver or tight end. And I do think there's a possibility there. It's funny, though, how completely different that feels now. Like, prior to the draft, I thought, oh, it's a no-brainer. They got to do it. At this point, it wouldn't surprise me if they didn't. Like, just because, especially after what Brian said as far, yeah, the idea is for these guys to grow together. You got a whole new kind of group on offense. Why bring in some broken-down old vet, with apologies to whoever's out there, it just to stunt the growth and take reps away from this group that needs to work together. So I think it's a possibility, but at this point now I'd be, I'd kind of be surprised. We're kind of sharing against it, to be honest. Right? Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't need another Sammy Watkins sniping right. snaps from younger exactly. players. Right. You know, I just like, let those guys develop together, let them play, let them grow, let them learn. I would, I would rather have, uh, you know, you you stumble through some you know some issues with rookie guys, then stumble through the issues that we saw out of a veteran wide receiver that they had a season ago. Amen. Right? Let let those guys play. And I kind of I'm kind of that way all throughout the team. I don't know how you feel about the safety position. Listen, there's they may not have a starting safety. safety on this team, but. Sa- yeah, no, 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 no. I think safety you can make it work. Where the one the one spot I think it's possible is tackle. Because okay. we've seen Brian do it so much throughout the years, and he didn't do it last year for the first time, and we saw how that kind of bit him. You know what I mean? Like last year, if there was a year they could, probably could have used an on-the-street free agent tackle added, say, late in the process, it was probably last year. Yeah. And it really wrecked the first part of their season. Now, again, I understand they've used a ton of draft capital all throughout the offensive line. They have guys they like. There's no doubt about it. But I just think if there is a guy sitting there in, like, late July who's on the street and is amiable to a one-year deal, yeah. I th- I don't. I, that's the one spot where I don't think it's – completely out of the realm of possibility. I think that's something he'll look at. They didn't draft an offensive lineman, obviously. 13 picks didn't draft an offensive lineman. First time since 2015. So, yeah, it's definitely within the realm of possibility. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped. 
The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about guys way further down the class here, especially those first the, – the, the guys taking uh, day three, the seventh round. They have four selections of the four, and I'm excited about all four of them. But if you had to look at one of them, is there one that gets you more excited than the others, a guy who you think – you know, obviously, seventh round, maybe not a ton expected of you, but we've seen Diamonds in the Rough kind of – make their case, so to speak, at training camp before? Is there a guy you think has the possibility to maybe turn some heads starting in camp? It's funny because I always tend to like the guys that the Packers draft the last in the seventh right. round. I think Kylan right. Hill was their last seventh rounder. Yep. And, you know, obviously things didn't exactly turn out, but um, some more. He Ray showed Ray. the juice. He showed he could do it. He no did about and it. Just some, you know, weird circumstances come to play. Samori Toure was, yeah, I think, behind, you know, Jonathan Ford and a couple other guys last year. But uh, this year, it's the last two. I love Anthony Johnson and Grant Dubose. You talk Anthony Johnson, we talk about the safety position. I was just talking to Ben. Ben Fennel, by the way, is freaking out about Anthony Johnson, about <laughs> what he could potentially bring to the team. Um, he posted a lot of great clips already. Um, I'm with Ben. I think there's an avenue, and I know we never want to put an expectation on a rookie, period, much less a seventh-round guy. It's foolhardy at best. I legitimately think there's an avenue towards legitimate snaps for Anthony Johnson, that safety. Um, there's no, there, you know, you've got Darnell Savage. He's probably there mostly just because his contract's guaranteed. Yep. Um, you've got, you know, two, you know, basic vet minimum guys and Tavares Moore and, and Rudy Ford who played well a season ago. You got Ennis Gaines. Tariq Carpenter apparently is moving to linebacker. Uh, Ennis Gaines, my eternal love who never really quite puts it together. <laughs> It's, I it's love Ennis, though. I love, hey, man, he, he he at least flies around and cares. That's hey, that's, the, that's half the battle. The two biggest games last year, the last two games of the season, they played him, what, 17, 18 they snaps sure, in the, sli sure in the slot? They in sure the slot did. of all places. So, I'm down. Uh, but after that, Dallin Levitt's just a special teams guy at this point. Right. You don't want him playing safety. Like, there's a legitimate opportunity that Anthony Johnson could come in and win snaps. So, um, he is a hard hitter. He will dislodge the ball, both as a run defense, like as a, a guy who can, you know, force a fumble, but also dislodge a pass in the passing game. Um, special teams value is certainly there as well, which I'm sure Rich Basashi is going to love. He just has everything that you kind of want at that safety position. Not the fastest guy in the world, but transition from corner. And I love guys that, you know, we saw yes. Micah Hyde do it. Guys right. that transitioned from corner, had the one year of safety and started becoming more. He didn't have a single pick as a corner, had two, I think, right away as a safety at Iowa State. So I think he has just more of a natural fit there. And then Grant Dubose, you talk about, you know, didn't test like the fastest in the world, but hits everything that Green Bay looks for as every contested catch you could possibly imagine. In the same game, I want to say it was Duke, but it was the same game, had a deep ball down the field where he makes an explosive reception and gets in for the end zone. Um, he also has a crosser over the middle of the field where there's three defenders conversing on him, and he just says, you know what, screw it, I'm running right through all three of you guys, and he gets in the end zone and finds a way anyway. Those are the type of guys, when there's snaps available at wide receiver, the three rookies last year, the three rookies this year, we talked about those, those spots, those reps are up for grabs. You got three wide receivers in this draft that are going to go and compete for every single one of those snaps and have had to do it throughout their entire careers. I'm really excited to see how that's going to play out. The only thing working against DeBose is that he's not Matt Landers, who I loved and ended up signing as an undrafted free agent in Seattle. So I will be closely monitoring their their careers just so I can 
Seattle Damn. gathering uh, the tiers of Packer wide receivers that all, everyone <laughs> wanted in Jackson Smith and Jigba and Matt Landers. So. Exactly, a hundred percent. Well, what did you? Let's let's talk about that for a second because it, you are correct. Of course, the entirety. Well, maybe not the entirety, but a whole lot of Packers fans were really hoping for JSN. What does it tell you that? The supposed, I mean, I guess consensus, number one wide receiver in the draft didn't go until 20. I mean, the fact that Seattle took them where they did. And the Packers sitting there at 13, I'm thanking Brian Gutekunst for not making that pick. Because I think that shows the value of how the league views him. And I'm not saying he's not going to be a really good player. I'm not saying he's like a bum or anything like that. But I think it was smart not to go that route. As you said, to go and get a, a... guy with a ton of upside at a premium position rather than I think what would have been a reach in JSN. I mean, I think what probably 80% of mock drafts had either JSN, Michael Mayer, or Dalton Kincaid, or Kincaid going Kincaid, right? yep. and not, not any of them went in the top 20. Mike Mayer goes round two, Kincaid goes 25, JSN goes 20. So, um, you know, I do think that this is another example of Brian Gutekunst understanding, you know, the, the positional value of the draft and understanding that again, wide receiver tight end was a strong draft. So he knew he could probably get a guy or two in round two and three, which is exactly what they did. Didn't need to reach for a tight end at pick 13 or pick 15 when they were originally there. So he didn't need to do that. Um, yet wide receiver as much as JSN, I love JSN. I very much would have considered JSN at that spot, but at the same token, this is a bad wide receiver draft and they didn't reach for, you know, what probably would have been the number three, four receiver in a lot of drafts in JSN. I, I love him. I think he's fantastic, but a lot of times what teams value in especially early in drafts are the outside wide receivers because how how many how many wide receivers that were drafted in the first 3 4 days of this draft and just throughout were slot guys like right. the, the draft is just riddled with undersized guys that are going to have to play in the slot in the NFL and the NFL knows that those guys you can ultimately find. And I believe that JSN is a step ahead of those guys and is a dynamic slot receiver. And there's absolutely value there. But at the same token, you can find slot guys in the NFL. It's those outside guys that are really difficult. I think that's why teams didn't value JSN quite as much in the top 20. So you know what's always valuable? Premium edge rushers that can yes, set sir. the edge, that can play run defense, and that can get after the quarterback. They got that, and they waited for round two, round five, round seven to go attack those wide receiver spots. I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up the two picks that probably caused the most consternation on the Cheesehead TV live stream when they were taken in the kicker and the quarterback. Both of the selections I was completely understanding. Like I, I get the the picks being made where they were made. I understand the positions. And what's the, here's the joy for someone who doesn't care about college football or know anything about college football and doesn't do a deep dive into quarterbacks or kickers during the draft process. I'm like, oh, good. They got a kicker and a quarterback. They needed those. But everyone on my timeline and everyone in the Cheesehead TV chat and everybody I was uh, looking at on the internet was just killing both of those picks because the kicker can't kick, the quarterback can't throw. Oh my God, it's a disaster. And I'm sitting here thinking, it's a day three pick. I mean, these are dart throws to begin with. They're filling a little bit of need. Like, I don't uh, – tell me, Andy, I, like, if, should I be concerned about the kicker and the quarterback? I guess that's what I need to know. I'll start by saying no reason for concern. I do think there's slightly slightly different vari- you know, variations here. I'll, I'll start with a kicker. I'm totally like, – you're. that's pick 207. 207. 207. 207. And people right? are upset. And, and here's the thing. Like, it. they did obviously need – it's like – the literally the 49ers drafted one in the third round. The, <laughs> the, the Patriots drafted one extremely early. Right. So getting one in the si- end of the sixth round, a compensatory pick in the sixth round at pick 207. I'm not losing any sleep over that. And here's the other thing that I'll say about that. 
If, if I had to bet, if you told me right now that one of the players in this draft class pay, played 15 years for the Green Bay Packers, I'll put money down on the kicker. There's right. probably a much better chance that he plays like a 15-year career yes, than maybe anyone else does on the team. So spending that on a kicker, I don't mind as much. Now, the quarterback also, don't lose sleep over it. If, if the biggest thing that we are nitpicking is which quarterback they selected in the fifth round, we're off to a great start for this NFL draft. So let's right. let's put that aside to begin with. <laughs> I do think, though, I, I talked to Tony Pauline. He was uh, he was under the impression, and he's very you know he, he's in, involved in this stuff very uh, very detailed. He's plugged he in. Said, yeah, whatever. yeah, he's plugged in. If uh, he thought that if Green Bay didn't take Clifford, that he wasn't going to get drafted at all. Who knows if that's ultimately true? Maybe somebody takes him. What I would say is, if Green Bay doesn't take you know Clifford, and they get to the seventh round and one of those seventh round picks, and they want to take Sean Clifford, and he's gone. Are you really losing much sleep over that? If I'm if nope. Green Bay? No. Nope. So I, at that point, I think Green Bay maybe overthought it a little bit and maybe could have gone best player available at the position and maybe taken something else. At the end of the day, like I said, if that's what we're squabbling about, we're in a very, very good spot for this draft. I do think the Packers are in a very, very good spot. I'm really excited to watch this draft class hit the ground running, so to speak, when training camp opens. Hopefully I'll see you there, Andy, as I oh, do yeah. each and every summer. We'll have to have you over to Corey's house for a beverage or two and do some videos and all the good things. Andy, I really appreciate your time, man. Always great to talk football with you. Uh, anything coming up with Pack-A-Day Podcast? Anything special? I know I'm part of your car wash here the day after the weekend <laughs> of the draft as, as you talk to basically every outlet on the internet. But if there's anything uh, podcast-wise, video-wise, Pack-A-Day Podcast, what should people know? Yeah, so some really fun episodes coming up. So just posted the the Tony Pauline episode on the, the Pack-A-Day Podcast YouTube channel. Have Ben Fennel coming up uh, tomorrow as well. So people can check out that. Had an amazing conversation with Ben that uh, people are definitely going to want to check out. And then uh, just a new episode, obviously, 365 days a year. So make sure to subscribe and never miss it. Never miss it. Andy, thanks so much for the time, man, and I'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it, Aaron. Have a good one.